We should say before we get started that Aaron's bought in. You've bought in your books. Cause I you have. I've, I've subbed this one out because I forgot about my main book. <laughs> oh, really? So he's been subbed out. <laughs> but you've bought actually a pile of books. And everyone else has got a list of books? Quickly cross these off your lists if you have them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's just do this. Let's do this. Good book, but... Uh... <laughs> All right, welcome to Properly Cocked. This is uh, four guys talking about Warhammer, but with a top five list. We're just having a bit of fun counting down the top five books. Uh, and this is because, uh, you know, we're, we're Warhammer 40k people. Uh, everyone involved had to check the wording of the rules on the way in. Uh, it's Black Library books that we're talking about. Um, what do you call collections of books all in one? Series. Omnibus. omnibus and omnibus is allowed so that's all fine welcoming back aaron wilson hello how's it going who has got a pile of four hardbacks with him and you've gotten rid of the one paperback you had oh, I, I traded one out because i forgot about my main book if you put them oh no you've got them face up so that we can all see what you've got <laughs> so that's good uh brendan d you've got a list with you as well welcome back good to be here and sean sullivan welcome to uh counting down top five books i like you everyone's into reading right you enjoy the reading um, I actually, I'm not a big reader. I'm actually a big auto. Oh, you're, the, uh, you're an audiobook guy. Yeah, because I, well, I do a lot of driving for my work, and right. normally when I'm at home, I'm painting, so I can't really. Yeah. yeah so. Just quick aside, I tried audiobooks for the first time in my life over lockdown. Um, I tried listening to Blades of Damocles, and I just can't do it. I hate. Try a better book. Yeah, it might be. It might be just that the book, or that the, that I'm, you know, that the person reading the book. No offense, isn't to my taste. But just one person changing voices, I just started to find it a bit weird after a while. I was going to say, is that you just critiquing the quality of maybe, the presentation? Maybe it is. I don't know. But it's um, also maybe audio books are a thing that take a little while to kind of get used to. I don't know. Um, but I gave it a go. Audio dramas are something I tried for the first time as well. There's a place called Cold Open Stories based in Canada, and they make these audio dramas with all of the sound effects and different actors playing the parts on the way through. And if you've never tried them, they are really good, like an audio book, but with the full kind of production behind them. So they're, they're, they're someone worth giving a, giving a go if you haven't already. Right, we're counting down our top five books. Aaron Wilson, give us your number five. My number five uh, is a Horace Heresy uh, book. Yep. Uh, the Master of Mankind. Which is about, oh, who's it by? Uh, it is by Aaron Dembski. Oh, if anything by ADB is going to be amazing. <laughs> I haven't read that one, but Have I'd you? like to borrow it if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I brought them. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'll just take that. I guess no one else wants to trade books while we're here. Master of Mankind. Um, so yeah, this one's it's quite a good story. It basically covers the uh, the war in the webway underneath the Imperial Palace. Okay. Um, after uh, Magnus is, you know, he did a Done silly thing. Wrong. <laughs> did, did a silly thing. Broke the. Uh, the seals, uh, and now all the demons are pouring through, and it basically covers the uh, s the Sisters of Silence, the Custodians, uh, Admeca in there, and uh, who else? One particular Blood Angel, so it's, it's quite okay. interesting. And it, it, it covers the uh, the origination of um, Abaddon's sword. Okay. So, you know, his uh, sword, I can't remember the name of it. What's the name of Abaddon's Drachnian? sword? Drachnian? Yeah, that's, Drachnian, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, so it covers how that was created it's okay a really cool story and i aaron dembski bowden is just really really clever at making a whole book which is set in the 41st millennium in war torn everything's about war 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 
But actually, in the books I've read of his, and I haven't read that one, so it might be different, there's not a lot of actual full-on epic war fighting scenes. Like, there's a lot of build-up to and then afterwards and then the people involved and the personal battles going on. Yeah. But you don't get, like, a lot of people love writing the the war scenes and, and going into great detail about, you know, fists and swords and boots and guns and whatever. But in his books, I have found that it's mostly about that you get to really know the the characters involved. Yeah, yeah. And he's also really great at doing um, perspective. So it's almost always from the point of view of like a normal human side, like a guard person or something like that. So that when the space marines go past or you get them, get them involved, then you get to understand how gigantic they are. Um, yeah, so you can tell I've probably got Aaron Dembski Bowden on my list as well. I've right? <laughs> got a couple of his books. Well, I've got to be fair. I don't actually look at the authors when I'm reading the books. Right. Yeah, just, I just... Yeah, okay. Uh, so let's go to Brendan. What have you got at your number five? Uh, quite, a, quite a change from an Aaron Dembski Bowden book. Um, I don't know if you've got a slide whistle a sound effect for when our number of <laughs> listeners drop off. No. Um, so I'm just going to preface this by... You're, this is supposed to be your top five books, not your ironic top five <laughs> or your worst five or your... I'm just going to preface this by saying that art is subjective. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Dembski Bowden is great, but let's not forget... This is one it. of the kids' books. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought about it. But no. uh, let's not forget that a lot of our authors have had... 30-plus years of established law to draw from. Right. My number five for best or important, significant black library books yeah. is Inquisitor by Ian Watson from ah, 1990. Right now, it's eh? important when, when looking... This is, in a, this is a worthwhile book for people to read. And just remember that this was published in 1990. Uh, it's only three years after Rogue Trader was created. This, this book established and really fleshed out a lot of the law that we're still using today. It's just a really a lot of defense for one book. Yeah, you have to really think about how much defense he's putting into this. <laughs> Do you know what? He's normally the master salesman as well. Brendan's normally the one that really glides us into it. Yeah, have you read Inquisitor? Is problem selling? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, just you sound like you can't even tell this to yourself. So Inquisitor is the story of uh, Auto Malice Inquisitor Jacques uh, Draco, uh, and he's sent uh, to investigate a gene steel cult uprising on a hive world. And this is a bit strange to him because he's an Auto Malice Inquisitor, he's usually sent to investigate demonic incursions. And so, okay. gene steel cult uprising is not really sort of not, not it, normally his thing. No. Right. So, he's kind of curious why he's been sent there. And, and as he's investigating what's going on, and there's another Inquisitor on the planet who is there to stop the incursion, so he's not really sure why he's there. And then after this other Inquisitor leaves, he starts realising that there's other forces at work and it leads him into investigating a, a deeper conspiracy. And he has a little band of followers. He's got a Calidus assassin. He's got a squat and he has a navigator as well. And what's interesting is like, yeah, okay, it's a 30-year-old novel. There's a lot of stuff that's since been retconned or it doesn't really fit in the 40K law today. Um, but it's amazing how much stuff is still relevant. And like there's, there's like two chapters of him having this moral quandary of whether to call an exterminatus on this world because it is now, as far as he knows, so far beyond redemption. And, and, and right. just like the massive weight of that, like just what it means to call an exterminatus. And he's never done it before. And to him, like okay. just what that means to the greater Imperium and everything. He's, there's one part they're saying like the, the Imperium is like a stone and 
exterminate the loss of one world is like a tiny chip on that stone. But how many chips does it take before that stone starts to crack? Right. You know, so there's some, there's some really this great is, stuff yeah. in there. For a 30-year-old book, when the universe was only you know, three, three years, years old. into its existence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and All that's right. another point. I was just trying to remember what it was. Oh, the other thing that's really great is it's bookended by uh, these scenes where it's another Inquisitor who's reading this story a hundred years later. Okay. And there's this sort of unreliable narrator element to it because they're like, because they're questioning even this text, this story of Jack Draco, how much of it is reliable. Is it, has it been written to actually mislead us or what? So even some of the things that now don't fit with the canon can be passed off as right, yeah, what yeah. in the story is reliable. Yeah, yeah. That's actually quite a clever way of doing it, right? That's future-proofing, if I've ever yeah, seen yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's much like this podcast. In 100 years' time, how much of this is actually reliable? <laughs> uh, Sean, what have you got at number five on your list? Um, I've gone for a little bit of um, an older book. Um, I love everybody starting off by just... Oh, well, it's normally you start off with your favourite one that's, you know, yeah. not, not so popular. But um, this is a Gaunt's Ghost series by Dan Abnett. Abnett, yep. Um, but... Back in the day, this is one of the first ones that got me really into it, which is like third edition, fourth edition. But they're actually stories told kind of like, it's kind of like a Game of Thrones feeling where it's just this actual serious sci-fi about um, an Imperial Guard regiment that the homeworld blows up. And they're called Tenth First and Only. Yeah. And it just carries on. And I think there's 15 books in the series. There's like people come in, people go, and you have the characters that get really attached to and then, they die in real bad ways or, you know, they keep surviving and you're just like, why? And it's really well done. Um, and and it's, so you're nominating the whole series? Um, or You have to start at the beginning because if you right. just jump in and stuff like that. Um, but I did like The War Master. It's my favourite. So okay. What's The Omnibus? The first three books is The Omnibus. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, I think it's called First and Only. All right. But, so, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you'd, if you want an actual sci-fi, like there's not much comedy in it. There, it's literally just a whole theatre of war, right. and it, wow. they have their own own bad guys in it, their own race of bad guys, and um, they even have a saint that comes in later. And this Chaos Space Marines feel like Chaos Space Marines. They're not that often throughout the book, but when they are, they are slaughtering dozens of guardsmen. It's right. not. It's not like all these, you know. Oh, we've got one space marine on our side. Oh, he kills all the rest of the army. It's literally like they have the corn tanks, and oh no, we have to go get the missile launchers because there's one chaos space marine. Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah all right. So uh, well, I'm just, I've written Gaunt's Ghost series, but first and only is the 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 one to start with by Dan Abnett. Uh, my number five, uh, I think Brennan will appreciate. Actually, probably you will too. Uh, it's called Path of the Archon. There's Path of the Dark Elder, which is the three, is it three books or four books even in, a, in the omnibus? But three, Path, three of the, books. Path of the Archon is the first one. I've got to say, by the time I got into the third book in the omnibus, I was starting to fade a little bit. I didn't love the third book. The first two I really enjoyed, but Path of the Archon I really loved. I loved that as for setting what Kamora is all about and um, giving you that real, you really get that feeling of, and, and it doesn't feel forced. Sometimes you read a book and you, you read about a, you know, a model that you can buy at Games Workshop and it feels like they've kind of crowbarred it in there and it's a bit too blatant. Hey, go and buy one of these. But this is, you know, you get all of the different, the Talos pain engine, uh, the way it's described in this book is so good. And just the nature of the Archons, you know, the, and the, the way that the world fits together. And I, I really enjoyed it. If you... If you're a person who's looking at Dark Elder as an army you wanted to take up and you were thinking about, or, or even if you just are interested in 
you know, how they work and what the motivations are. Path of the Alcon is a great book. I can't remember the author, but I'll look it up and put it Andy in. Andy Chambers. Thank you very much. Have you got that on your list? Well, uh, I've, I've got one of them, um, right. but it's worth mentioning because Andy Chambers, I don't know if he wrote the original Dark Elder Codex, but he was a rules writer and then he left that side of the business okay. to become a Black Library author. So he, yeah. he's one of the people who created Dark Elder in the first place. Right, yeah. So he knows the... He knows the background. Hmm. But I just, I mean, I do feel like sometimes you're going to read a book and you'll read about, you know, different uh, things in it. And it just feels like, okay, this is us trying to sell you models by giving you an adventure story. Um, But in this case, it really, it just feels like a book. Well, the thing with that trilogy as well, it's almost counterproductive because it just reveals to you all this cool stuff that doesn't exist as models. You're like, I want that in my army, but you can't have it. I just love the, one of the things I love is the idea of the, um, you know, the the stadiums in which they have these games. And there's uh, one in particular where they have these captured humans. I can't remember if they're space marines or human humans, but they're they're being kept basically like cattle to be wheeled out to a a, uh, bullfight where they get, they come out and they've got no hope of winning. But they get pulled out for the amusement of the crowds watching this, the slaughter about to happen. It's pretty cool. Like it's a great concept. Uh, Aaron, what have you got at number four? Number four, uh, Kakaradon's the Red Tife. Okay. Now this is a book basically about Kakaradons. Um, they go into a prison world because they they need some new recruits. They've been out in the void fighting for decades uh, and they've uh, taken some losses, so they need to go to place and get some people to, yeah. to turn to space marines um but the, it turns out that uh the night lords actually have an interest on this world as well oh, okay. so you get these two brutal legions just slugging it out and all these innocent well not innocent but prisoners in the middle just getting cut to shreds while they're just trying to <laughs> ah it's it's a gory bloody book it's amazing it's the red tie and who's it by robbie mcniven i've not heard of him would no. you say the book is jawsome? Oh, no. <laughs> it is, but I wouldn't it's say it. It's a space <laughs> Okay, nice. Yeah, it's a so, great, great read. There's, okay, a, there's, a sequel, there's a sequel out for it, which I haven't got yet. I have to get around to getting. Okay. And it comes in at number four. Very yep. good. Uh, number four for Brendan D. Uh, it's been stolen somewhat, but um, <laughs> my number four was first and only, the Gaunt's Ghost novel. Oh, uh, right. I just thought it was worth pointing out it's actually the first novel that Black Library ever published. Is um, it? Yes. My, my, other, my first choice, um, Inquisitor, was under... There's a few novels under a different publisher and then they were republished later by Black Library. But first and only was the original novel from them. Huh. Um, one thing I just think is worth pointing out, something that sort of gets lost a bit today in, in 40K stories, they've got these massive stakes, but... Uh, first and only is all about this conspiracy within the, the leadership of this crusade. And the, the MacGuffin that they're all after is something called an STC, which used to be this big thing in 40K. It was these standard template constructions. They were pieces of technology from the age of technology. And now the, the Imperium is sort of on the wane and they're trying to recover all these bits of technology. And they were, you know, human life was expendable, but these STCs are what's really important. Is And, you know... Now we're in a time in 40K where we're just like, oh, there's a new tank every week. You know, we're getting like new, new marks and marine armor all the time. And back then it was like an STC was a big deal. Right. Like, like 
just the Land Raider Crusader. You know, that's an STC, the idea of putting some bolt guns on a Land Raider. But that was a big deal, and it and it changed all the Space Marine Legions. To right. Like, they would wage wars to recover these things. Yeah, and yeah. so I think that's that's something that's interesting to look back on a time when that was like the ultimate goal in the 40K universe was just to recover We're some recover technology stuff. that we forgot about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay, so first and only gets a couple of recommendations here. That's really good. Uh, um, Sean, what have you got at number four? Um, uh, Kaifas Kane um, novels. Now, uh, I'm yeah. thinking for, for the Emperor is probably the easiest one to get into because it's really nice. But, I mean, normally when you see them, they're by Sandy Mitchell. And they're just basically... It's a very weird premise. It's a cowardly commissar that just keeps surviving and winning. And he gets put on missions that are quite dangerous by an inquisitor that's kind of a love interest. And she just keeps getting him in, in poo. And then he has to try and get his way out. But he also tries to survive the best way he can. Yeah. And... Um, Unfortunately, most of the time it turns out to be the wrong decision. <laughs> but it's a really well done. It's his memoirs read by the Inquisitor, so they're putting things that are happening around it. So normally it's about the battlefield and all these things are happening, all these people dying. He doesn't care. All he cares about is what was troubling him at the time. Yeah. And he has this um, really awesome um, sidekick who's basically a blank, but no one knows this um, until okay. later on. And it's just the fact that he, no one likes him. He smells, he, he, he's pretty bad, but he always came, comes around with a mounted gun and he just saves the day quite a lot. I feel like you've talked to us about this story before on yeah. the podcast with something else. Was it characters or, oh, that's what it was. It was the ones where we, uh, characters you thought deserved a model. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a little bit more lighthearted and less serious novel. So if you just want something that you can just listen to or read that's not so oh no this is the stake of the universe if this demon comes in he's going to wipe out humankind it's normally like I've just got to survive this yeah yeah yeah. i just want to retire why would people stop throwing me into war zones there's there's something um there's a book called storm of iron which i probably should have put on my list but i haven't uh which has a similar kind of character in it this guy who ends up ba- basically being the key to everything he spends the almost the entire book this guard guy Spends almost the entire book trying to avoid having to do anything, so he's like hiding in the mountains just to just to keep away from it. But the war, everything, it always ends up coming to him, uh, and he ends up being the guy, like in each situation, who does something accidentally heroic. Uh, and it's like just it's a kind of nice mechanism. It's a nice fun way of doing something, right? Uh, on my next, my number four should have been Storm of Iron. Probably it's a better book. I think probably most. Most independent people looking at it without a dog in the fight would say, yeah, Storm of Iron's a better book than what you've written down there. But I've got Farsight, Crisis of Faith, uh, because I'm playing Tao, and I've got to say, this it's a book about Farsight, obviously. It's part of a two-part series so far. It's the first one, uh, and by Phil Kelly, and it's, it's just really good. Like It's just a really nicely written book about a character that is humongous in the Tao world, right? Farsight. It feel like it's like taking on writing about Marilyn Monroe or Elvis. Everybody already has an opinion. Everybody already feels like they know about it. But he's taken it and done a really great job of writing the characters around him as well and uh, setting the scene and giving... If you're a person who's playing Tao and looking for a way of like upping your enthusiasm or getting motivated, as Aaron's talked about in the past, this, this book will do it. It's a really great... Um, a really great way of getting to know the Tau universe as well. Much like Path of the Archon really sets the scene for Dark Eldar and really gives you an idea of what how the universe works, this does the same thing but for Tau before 
uh, Farsight and Shadow Sun have their big falling out. So at this point, they're just a bit sus of each other, a bit suspicious, but they haven't had a big falling out. So that's my number five. Uh, sorry, number four is Farsight Crisis of Faith. Let's go on to Aaron Wilson at number three on your list. All right. He is known by many names. <laughs> Clone Lord, Manflayer, Primogenitor. He is Eptomy of Deceit and Perversion. Yes. And fed by man and monster alike. Once the chief apothecary of the Empress children, the madman known as Fabius Bile, possesses the knowledge of genetic manipulation second to none. <laughs> this You're dude, this dude, yeah I am. This dude is amazing. This is my favourite character pretty much in all the 40k Prime, primogenitor. 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 Yeah. Fabius Bile. It's such a sick book. Yeah. Uh, where do I even begin? Okay. Well, it's about Fabius Bile, and everyone's really but, enthusiastic about Yeah, it's about Fabius Bile, and basically no one likes him. All the legions hate him, but they need him because he's the best doctor out there, right? He's the best apothecary there is. Um, so he's got, he's got all of these guys that follow him, and he, he sells his services to, to different legions and, and warbands and whatnot. Basically, in this book, he, um, he deceives one of the Emperor children um, war hosts into attacking a, a craft world. Yeah. Um, just so he can go and steal some spirit stones. And oh, it's, it's, it's so good. Such a good read. Yeah, oh. yeah. Who's it by? Uh, this one, Josh Reynolds. Oh, yeah. Josh does a bit of writing. Yeah, this That's is good. A, yeah. Then there's a, there's a follow up book to this as well, which I'll be getting around to. Okay. When you swing by next. All right. Very good. So, uh, Fabius, or oh, Primogenitor Fabius Bile by Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Number three. Uh, Brendan D, what you got? Okay. So, my number three choice was. Path of the Incubus, which is the second book in the yeah. Path of Dark Eldar trilogy. Yeah. Um, I particularly picked, I think this is the best one in the series. Um, basically, the story revolves around an incubi named Moore and yeah. a harlequin named Motley. And they're thrust together on this adventure and, and Moore just hates Motley. It's basically, if you imagine, Deadpool and the Punisher having to team up. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What's really great about this book is... Um, you know, all these books flesh out aspects of Dark Elder culture, but this one in particular goes a lot into the history and some of the mysteries around the Dark Elder. So it explains a lot about Ara, the Dark Father, who hadn't been explored much for a long time, like I think, think since second edition. He's hinted at now and then, but he's the fallen Phoenix Lord who it's strongly implied, well, it's basically proven that he um, created the Incubi and it's rumoured that Drazhar is connected to him or is him or no one's exactly sure. Right, yeah. um, but this book kind of explains the story of Ara from the Dark Eldar's perspective as opposed to the Craftworld perspective and sort of fills in a lot of the blanks there but without giving you all the answers. Yeah. And the other thing is the whole story culminates on an Eldar Exodite world and Eldar Exodites are basically Eldar who were in the fall, didn't want to live on the craft worlds, didn't want to live in Kimura. So they went to these maiden worlds and basically hung out and rode dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's just really cool. <laughs> like these tribal Eldar who ride dinosaurs. Uh, and something that used to be part of the game, even in second edition, you could put them in your army. And they've kind of been forgotten since then. And it's, it was cool to see them turn up again in this novel. It's a great setting. And actually, the, the relationship between the two of them, Moore and Motley, is, uh, is very, like, it's just cool, right? It's just a, you've got this Harlequin who's just basically spends his whole time trying to piss off the other guy. Well, I'm not supposed to say that. Sorry. Uh, trying to wind him up. And, uh, and Moore is just... Stone cold. He's just lethal and brutal and yeah. amazing. Yeah, he's like even by incubi standards, like he's the one you don't mess with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So path of the incubus. So you know, you know what you should do is just get the um, just get the omnibus and read path of the archon and path of the incubus. Probably save yourself some money. Um, Sean, what have you got at three? 
Um, On and Bound by Rachel Harrison. It's a new um, novel based on Imperial Guard again. I just realised I've done three Imperial Guard in a row. <laughs> okay. So, Somebody that doesn't play them often, I really like their books. Yeah. Um, but it's done with that female inquisitor, and I was always on oh, female um, commissar. So I was kind of interested in her story. But um, the actual setting's really well done. She's done some really nice um, bad guys in, in it, like um, just chaos cultists. But they're actually really intriguing, and like they they believe that they know the, what the way of everything's already going to happen. So it's just really well done. Yeah, I just I I thought it was just really worth mentioning because it's something different that you don't, I don't um, and it's a relatively new one you said literally I think it was written last year or this year so okay. it's really recent nice um, and yeah uh, I'm not really selling it that well um, no but, it's a, but this is what I think with the um, if you take a cultist this is what I think uh, Aaron Demsky Bowden does really well and a really good author does well is it takes something like a cultist and makes that the focus of uh, you know, a story, yeah. someone small, um, someone human sized that we can relate to, yeah. you know, that we can kind of understand. If, like, if you take a a god or a primarch or a whatever, even a space marine, they, they, they just they don't think the way we do, right? And they don't behave the way we do. Yeah. But if you take someone that's more human sized and human frailties, then then we can kind of climb into the story a bit better, if you know what I mean. So having those characters in it is really cool. Yeah, well, um, yeah. Well, especially being a commissar, she's really focused on like the proper ways to do things. Right. And I mean, in the war zone, nothing goes proper. And like, <laughs> she she has to execute people, and she knows that people hate her because that's what her job is. But she strives to do it, and there's always a plot and a twist and everything like that. So I don't want to give too much away. But the enemy's really good. The world building's great. So. Yeah, nice. All right, so Honor Bound by Rachel Harrison at number three. Uh, my number three, um, and man, I'm just so unprepared, but it's a book that uh, local G-Dub store manager Nathan loaned to me and I took away on holiday, uh, I want to say about a year and a half ago or a year ago, um, and it's about a space wolf who gets drafted into the Death Watch for a period of time, and so he's there for a period of time with this ultramarine that they hate each other. Um, and it's, it flashes back to his time in Death Watch, but where it picks the story up is where he basically comes back to rejoin his clan or his tribe or his crew or his team or whatever. Um, and so he comes back in, and there's another guy. He was always going to be the one that led them, and but he went away. And so in the interim, there's another guy that's been promoted to, you know, boss of everyone, and he comes back, and it's all about the tension between these two clan leaders, the, the one who is and the one who should have been, and then everything he learned from the Death Watch, and they start to give him, a, you know, a hard time about behaving like an ultramarine. And it's, but he's trying to sell him on the idea that other, that the other chapters have things you can learn from. And Space Wolves, uh, I don't know if you guys know about Space Wolves, but they're not real big on taking on new ideas from other people. So uh, they just want to keep everything traditional in the way it always has been. And it's just a really, really great read about the conflict between these two guys with lots of flashbacks to some cool Death Watch stuff that goes on and the training that happens, particularly between the Ultramarine character and the Space Wolf character. It's called Anaheim. Uh, and again, I can't remember the author, but I will look it up and uh, make sure that we've got it on the website. But if, you, if you're looking, if you're a Space Wolves fan um, or even a Death Watch fan, um, Anaheim is a really, really great read. So I've got that in at number three. Uh, let's go to Aaron. We're up to number two. Number two, uh, this is a follow-on from the Primogenitor Fabius Bile book. This one's called Clone Lord. Um, mm. Now, this follows Fabius Bile, basically. Uh, he goes back to 
um, the Emperor's children, um, they get him to go on a mission for them to basically uh, go find this lost seed ship that a long time ago was lost and it had like thousands of gene seed on it so they could right. rebuild their chapter because it's quite splintered, I think. They got their ass handed to them basically just after the Horus Heresy. They tried to try to coup and take over but then the Black Legion came and uh, wiped them out a bit. Um, but anyway, basically he goes on this, this mission to find um, this, this gene seed ship and it keeps flashing back to before or just after the Horus Heresy where, I don't know if you know, but he, he cloned all of the Primarchs, basically made a clone of all of the Primarchs. Okay. Um, and then Abaddon got a hold of this and he came in and he basically executed all of them, killed them all. Um, but one, one survived, which is really cool. One Primarch survived, which is, uh, what's his name? Fulgrim. Fulgrim. Oh, yeah. Emperor's okay, Children. Yeah, so yeah, Fulgrim, yeah. there's a clone of Fulgrim, like a fully-aged clone of Fulgrim, which uh, considers Fabius as his father, so huh. while, while they're going to this place to get these, uh, to get the gene seed ship, once they finally get there, it turns out it's a, uh, it's a Necron, you know, there's Necron nonsense going on, and it's actually Trazen the Infinite has taken that ship and put it in his collection. Okay. So there, there's some sweet stuff. Well, I've heard about the you story. You see some characters like in his collection, like some, some cool stuff that like he's got the best collection, right? Of 40k <laughs> ever. Classic Trazen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and basically Trazen and Fabius make this deal, right? So Fabius is like, well, I'll take the gene seed. You can take Fulgrim. Like, you've now got a... A Primark. You've got a Primark in your collection. collection. Yeah, wow. there you go. Yeah. And I hope that wasn't the big twist at the end that you just gave away. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, because that, that has been hinted at a lot of things. Is like they were teasing that Trazen had this Primark-sized marine, but I didn't realize that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Flesh out who and then, and... yeah, so he takes all his gene seed back, but instead of going back to the Emperor's children, he just buggers off and does his own thing. Because <laughs> he, he's Fabius Because he's Fabius Bile. He's going to create his own uh, perfect man. Nice. That's a great uh, who's, book. Who's that uh, by? Uh, Josh Reynolds as well. Oh, same, same, same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, Brendan, what's your number two? Number two. Okay. So, way back in the halcyon age of 1999, uh, Games Workshop launched a a comic label called Warhammer Monthly and yeah. this series had a whole bunch of great stories that came out of it. We've got like uh, Demonifuge, Death Squadron, Cal Jericho, all these great stories that started from this um, comic series. But the, the, the sort of headline tale uh, was a story called Blood Quest. Okay. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it or nope. read it. Yeah. Blood Quest is uh, basically the story of a Blood Angel captain named Leonatus who in uh, he, he fights this like Spartan-style last stand against an orc invasion and most of his company are killed. Um, but that's not a big deal to the Blood Angels. What's really tragic is he lost this sword called the Blading Carmen, which is a relic of Sanguinius. Right. Uh, and for this, he is shamed and exiled from the chapter. And so, Fair enough. So Leonatus... And uh, eight other Marines basically go on this exile quest to hunt down the Orc Warlord Garshal the Destroyer and reclaim this blade. And if they can do this, they'll be permitted to re-enter the chapter. Right. So it's this great men on a mission kind of story. Yeah. Um, it's, it's 
it's not one of these huge epic tales. It's like this little intimate story of this small band of. I mean, it's a big story, but but it's like it's it's a much more sort of human tale about these this small band of space marines, yeah, yeah. and they're facing these massive, insurmountable odds. And the story it just gets like it gets crazy. The stuff they have to go through on this epic quest. Right, and, but they're blood angels, so they yeah. yeah. But but like by the end of it, you don't even recognize them as the warriors they they once were. Right, it's, and uh, there were three series. And then um, I think it was an audio drama that followed on, and now you can get them as one big okay. uh, graphic novel compilation. So Blood Quest. Yeah. Oh, and then one note on Blood Quest. Uh, Blood Quest was actually the subject of what was to be the first 40K movie back in 2001. They tried to adapt it into an animated film, and ultimately the whole thing sort of fell apart. But it was in development for a good couple of years. It sounds uh, like it would make a great movie. It, it, it's, like, it's a great entry-level story for 40K, and it kind of introduced you to the whole universe, and it would have made a great subject for a film. Um, and they did make uh, animation tests and a little teaser and things like that that were shown at Games Day, and you can still find them online. Right. Um, just, just very quickly, the, the movie Ultramarines is out, isn't it? Did I see that there's a movie on YouTube or on... Yeah, there's an Ultramarines movie. It's been out for a while. It's That's the really bad terrible. one? Yeah. I don't know. If, is it? I don't know. I don't, like, I've, heard, I've heard that there's a movie. I didn't know what it was called. I haven't seen it. But just today, my kids were looking for something on YouTube and I saw Ultramarines, the movie, pop up and I was like... Wait, is that available for us now? We can watch that on. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see the reaction you have to that movie because <laughs> I remember when I went in to watch it and I was didn't know nothing about it and wow, it's just a it's a, it's a trip. So I think I'd, I'd love to see what your reaction to it is. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure. Is it an like, is it animated or live action? It's or? animated. I think it was like the director. His only previous experience was like filming the opening ceremony of the British. Olympic Games or something. Right. Was, okay. I don't wow. know. It was, it was a weird. It was a weird project. Yeah, There's yeah. a couple of famous voice actors in it, though. Like, oh, I don't. Yeah, John Hurt uh, yeah. and someone else. There's a couple Mark of strong. Was that what he was in, or was that no, something else? No, he's not. There's a couple of older guys, like John Hurt and someone else whose name you'll know, like two older English actors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry, that was an aside. But then I might like it because I really like the Warcraft movie. Um, Oh, that's not comparable. That was a good go one, everyone. That. Okay, we're all on the same page. We enjoyed that one. Okay, all right. Um, so uh, where are we up to? Sean's number two. Um, mine's um, Talon of Horus by um, Aaron Dembski-Balden. Talon of Horus? Yeah. So this is actually a really nice one to put in between the Primogenitor and Clone Lord because uh, Talon of Horus is about uh, uh, Thousand Sons um, or ex-Thousand Sons Black Legion um, I guess it's um, psychic. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to track down the Talon of Horus, hence the name. Right. But he comes across um, Abaddon, and Abaddon is just a shell of himself because he's he's the whole legion's gone gone and stuff like that, and he yeah. he just he's not the same person. And um, so they they find it, and then um, he hears about the clones of all the um all the Primarchs and he loses it and it's about the story of him but obviously it's Aaron Dembski Baldwin so yeah. all the characters are really relatable nice guys for superheroes that are basically evil yeah uh, so like and it's just really interesting to see how like because the Black Legion has so many different people like they've got some world eaters they've got some all that and they just talk to each other like they're just children and they have to work together like at one point there is the, th um, the world world leaders trying to talk to the psycho and he's just like 
we are not just going down there to hack and slash. We have to have a plan. He goes, slash, hack, hack, <laughs> slash. <It's> like, <laughs> so it's, it's just really well done. Yeah, yeah. Parts of it. And um, there's, it has a couple other books in the series. So if you really like these characters, they're all doing. And Aaron Dempsey Helen's actually working on the third book at the moment. Nice. Okay. So, yeah. It's, well, funnily enough, my number two is uh, The First Heretic by Aaron Dempsey-Bowden, which I um, have owned for ages and only just got around to reading a couple of months ago. And, oh, my God, what a great book. It is just uh, such a... And, and again, uh, you take Lorgar and, and um, you know, his stepfather and <laughs> and a bunch of other people, and then you you take this whole journey of of the first heretic, of taking them from being loyalist space marines, uh, this chapter, the word bearers, all the way through to uh, Cadia and, and the events that happened there and then the slow change that happens uh, to, oh, the main character whose name has gone right out of my head Erebus. now. Erebus. Sorry? Erebus? Not Erebus. Um, Erebus is in it, but it's... Um, Targor, no, I can't remember. But there's the main space marine in it who becomes the chapter master of the word bearers in the end of it. And uh, But just the, the whole journey of being loyalist, and it involves their Primarch all the way through as well, who at first you're like, wow, this guy's amazing. But then when the other Primarchs come in and they just look at him like the, the crappy little brother, the, the weakling that they can't stand. Yeah, I, I love how like it's just a play on the religion as well. Like they like Everyone's yeah. got their own own oh this is the secret text of Erebus and you're like oh of um Lorga and you're like is it like and yeah. then like they're fighting over the words that he's spoken and they won't even speak to their their Primarch because they're just like no you don't approach him you, you do this and they're yeah. all trying to do their own backhanded things I think it's really well done yeah and the the um one of the main characters all the way through it is this human woman this blind woman who was on a planet that gets wiped out and she gets rescued by the main character whose name I can't remember um, but then, then she becomes this almost godlike uh, person all the way through the book that no, that is revered everywhere they go, and they keep her with them all the way. And so, um, you know, she's able to. She is documenting a lot of the story as well. But again, uh, through the book, you get all these amazing things going on, but there's very little actual war scenes. There's there's almost none. It's all like individual clashes and the, the relationship going massively downhill between the word bearers and the custodies who are charged with keeping an eye on them. Uh, one of the first things that happens is Lorgar has this kind of face off against Gilliman and um, that's when he decides, oh, I hate you. <laughs> is, is that where he backhands Malkador? Oh, he slaps him like 20 or 30 metres and then he just gets up like nothing happens. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But in, the, in this book, um, Gilliman makes Lorgar kneel makes, yeah. and everybody kneel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all decide that's the last time they're ever going to do that. And that basically, Gilliman being a douche is the start of <laughs> Lorgar going, I'm not having this and see, seeking out something else. So it's um, The First Heretic. Very, very cool book. Again, Aaron Dembski-Bowden. Uh, let's go to Aaron's number one. Uh, this one's a book by Guy Haley. Yep. Um, Belisarius called the great work. Yeah, this is a really good book. Um, basically, it, it, it covers uh, the Adeptus Mechanicus, um, and it also covers the Emperor's Sif chapter. Sif okay. to the Emperor, Emperor's Sif. Yeah. So basically, he's he's uh, Call has turned up to their world, and he's he's rebuilding he's rebuilding the outer space stations that used to be there before uh, the Gene Steels and the Tyranids basically wiped their planet clean and killed. 
the majority of the chapter. Um, and he's he's got interests on this planet which aren't apparent until quite around the end of the book. Um, so basically he makes us deal with the chapter master of the Emperor's Sife. So like he'll help them get down there, help them um, finish their task. So they want to go and redeem themselves, redeem their chapter by killing the, the patriarch of the gene stealers that basically caused the the uh, turned invasion. So right. they're on this kind of suicide quest and he's he's taking them there um, and eventually splits off. So the, the Sifes go and, and finish this quest. They kill the, the um, patriarch, but they also die themselves. So basically it, it concludes um, the standard space marines, you know, before the Primaris. Yeah. So they're all gone now. It's just Primaris Sifes. Um, yeah. um, and then Call goes off and it turns out that the, um, the Sifes are... Uh, Fortress Monastery was built on Necron um, architecture stuff. So he ends up going deep into this Necron vault. It, right. It gets I, yeah, pretty, again, I, this is something that's kind of part of the law, right? You've yeah, heard about this. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty yeah. tasty. He goes deep down into this. He finds a Catan. He literally outwits a Catan. Cool. Being a bloody genius. <laughs> uh, and it also, it, it also flicks back to the past, back to 30K, which goes over Cool's originations and how he became to be Balsario's Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really awesome. Uh, all right, so Belisario is cool. You like your books with um, some of the bigger characters, right? The bigger characters in the... Yeah, like, yeah, I like... Fabius Bile and Belisario. I think, and... I f- yeah, I'm, I'm quite drawn to the uh, Slanesh Emperor's Children characters because their books are just disgusting, like the right, Emperor's right, right. Children. Like, if there was ratings on books, there should be ratings on these books. Cause <laughs> yeah, they're... yeah. They're brutally just, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, filth. By the way, very quickly, uh, for those who are interested, uh, Captain Argul Tal of the... Uh, serrated son. That's the car- that's the guy I was trying to think of from the first heretic. He he, you know. Yeah. I was just going to say the um, Belisario's call book does really make you understand the call a lot lot more. Right. So before this, you're kind of just like, who is this guy? He's just like appeared and yeah, yeah, yeah. fixing everything, and he's like, oh, I was here the whole time. You're like, were you though? Fleshes <laughs> him out quite a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. some cool stuff like he's going to go and meet with some space friends, and he's like. Hmm, what personality um, should I bring to this one? So he'll interchange parts of his personality with um, like software and stuff. Just oh, to, really? Just to communicate with people better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's quite cool how um, he goes to war. He's like, oh, what weapons do I want? Uh, he just switches out all these different guns. And basically talks how he puts on his giant shell, which is the model we see. But when he's not in combat, he's actually quite small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, um, he's one of the biggest. Yeah. Well, not one of the biggest characters, but he's but certainly in the Admech world, he's the biggest. So does he always have his pimp cane though? <laughs> <laughs> Every pimp's got to have a pimp cane. <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, number one on the list of Brendan. Okay, my number one. Uh, it's a novel. Well, it's not a novel. It's a it's a short story. You can now purchase it as an ebook. It came in the Fear the Alien um, collection in 2010. Uh, I guarantee. It's very new for you, isn't it? To have something that modern, like it's only 10 years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, no, Incubus was oh, right. after that. True. Uh, I guarantee, I'm betting none of you have read this, but after this, you probably all will want to. Go on. It's a story called Mistress Bader's Gift. Uh, now, now... Are we allowed to talk about it, aren't we? <laughs> all, your, all your books have just been war, action, <laughs> bolters. Yeah. Caiaphas Kane's a little bit of a comedy. Um, but I've got four words for you. Go on. Dark, elder, romantic comedy. Uh, this is the story of archon malrak as he attempts to woo the mysterious mistress bader yeah uh i've got a little excerpt here go on as he passed an ornate mirror 
Maurak paused briefly to assess himself. His homunculus surgeons had really outdone themselves, he thought. You could see the staples in the back of his skull that pulled his flaccid skin tight. <laughs> a half a dozen of his warriors had been scalped, and now his limp, greasy hair was replaced by a magnificent raven mane. A mixture of drugs and concoctions ran through his injection harness, toning his muscles and giving his eyes a healthy green glow. <laughs> he curled his lips back, admiring his new stainless steel teeth. He had dressed in his finest suit of combat armour, replete with a golden tabard, flowing purple cape, and the largest shoulder pads that money could buy. <laughs> this poor woman, he thought to himself, doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's very so, good. Uh, basically, the story, the, the lead character is like, if you imagine Mr. Burns, he's, he's an old, uh, right. wizened, dark elder archon. Um, he's, he's bored with everything now. You know, There's nothing, nothing that will catch his interest until he, he, he falls in love with this uh, other member of the uh, elite of Dark Elder Society. The only problem is, as a Dark Elder, he, he doesn't actually know what the word love is. And right. half the story, he, it's driving him mad, just trying to remember, what is this word the humans have? Yeah. Uh, the closest thing the Dark Elder have is a term called inyon lama kwanon, which means to make another person one's prized property or subservient. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Similar. <laughs> uh, well, who's it by? Uh, it's by... Uh, Someone called Brayden Campbell. Okay. Uh, and basically, yeah, the whole story is just him uh, going on these adventures and trying to find more weird and outlandish gifts to try and get the attention of, of this woman who just does not care about him at all. Mistress Beta? Yes. Yeah, very good. Uh, okay, well, that's, that stands out from the crowd, doesn't it? Um, Sean, what have you got at number one on your list? Uh, it's pretty hard to follow that one. Um, but it's the Eisenhall uh, Omnibus. Oh, yeah. By um, Dan Albert. Um, I just think this is, if you want a world building, um, world building book, this is just amazing. Like the things that they do, the technology they use, the setting, it's just about this inquisitor who's chasing down a heretic and he basically starts unraveling this huge um, conspiracy of what's going on and stuff like that. And it travels throughout books and you meet all awesome characters. You find out like that. Arbatis on, on the world are actually only normally like five or ten people, not whole squads like I used to think. And um, they, you see the whole slow corruption of what chaos does to you because it just seems to go from one bad situation to another bad situation, making moral choices that sometimes get a bit dubious. Right. And they just slowly slips, and everyone's thinking, "Oh, he's this great guy," but he slowly, slowly start, starts summoning this demon prince and stuff like that until you get to the end of it where he's, I think he's fully formed, but yeah, people yeah. had that debate where he's using chaos against chaos and you're like, mm, yeah, how fallen are you though? Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, it's just a great series and then there's another offshoot series called Ravenel which follows his, his basically his apprentice, Inquisitor, who gets really badly hurt because of what Eisenhorn was unravelling at the time. Right, okay. And then he has to try and hunt down Eisenhorn. So it's like this really good interweaving stories and uh, this, this is another one which people have uh, suggested will be a great movie uh, just Eisenhorn as a character in general in movies they, they are turning it into a TV oh, series are they doing it it's a okay. live action TV series alright so who's playing Eisenhorn do we know they haven't said yet yeah because that's I think that's the conversation I've seen online is Tom Cruise <laughs> does his own stunts <laughs> yeah what's great with Eisenhorn he's had such a long life as well because he's is he, he's quite young in the novel isn't he because He's in the... Inqu yeah, he was, the first hundred years. Yeah, because he's in the old Inquisitor 
RPG game they made in the early 2000s. And but right. even that is really old. So okay. he, he's got this long career. He's got a long. He's got a long life. Yeah. Well, this was this was actually written um, for the Inquisitor game, and yeah. they brought out this model. And basically, once they saw the model, they were like, "Oh, can you write a backstory to Dad and Amnet?" And this is what sprung from that, and how he got his scars, and how he can't smile anymore. It's all built just right from his imagination, and it just really shows that he's just got a real interesting part. But it also just shows how grim some of the life would be if you're actually in those times because it's kind of like yeah, if you're yeah, just yeah. like a no one you've got no special skills or not born into the right family you just don't have a chance yeah 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 all right great stuff um now the uh one that i've got listed at number one i'm really disappointed that none of you have mentioned this like it's the obvious standout book of the the history of black library it's the number one book almost if we take black library out of it it's a great book soul drinkers no no, it's um, it has been turned into a fan-made animated uh, series, and it is amazing. Uh, it's called Hell's Reach, but we'll just say Armageddon. The whole, the, the not the whole. That's two. So Armageddon is two books: Hell's Reach and something else. Um, but the the book Hell's Reach and the animated series are both amazing. Um, it helps probably that I read this when I was first getting into 40K. My first army was Black Templars, and I wanted to make uh, you know great Black Templars album, uh, army. And uh, it's all about uh, the orcs attacking the planet of Armageddon, and then Grimaldus and his band of merry men going to help them out. Uh, you know, help out the humans of the guard who are trying to fight off the orcs. And it's just so it's Aaron Dembski Bowden. So I don't know if I need to say any more, but it is it's so good. But if, as a starting point, it's definitely worth checking out this fan fiction on YouTube. If you go and have a look, at, just look up Hell's Reach, and it's a series of however many animated shorts. Really, really good. I, I just love how that whole whole idea was that uh, he was sent down there to die. Was yeah, like, that was a that was your punishment for being really nice and letting the other chaplain die, and you become the head chaplain. It was you're going to be sacrificed because no one likes you. Yeah, and it's just a great story because you could just see him getting bitter about this, and every and time he puts in a request to the high lord, he's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, well, and a lot of the book is is the um, the guys he's with, the the space marines he's with, his brothers, who actually just don't like him very much, or find it he finds it really hard to communicate with them. But he's got to. He's got to lead. He's got to be the boss. He's he's been promoted, probably above where he was going to be or should have been. Uh, and his his job is to lead these men who keep looking at him like, mm, no, I don't know. He can be like too abrupt <laughs> for for space marines. I don't know how that's possible, but you know they just don't see him as a, as the natural leader. But he's got to be, and that's kind of a lot of his journey on that story. Oh, even that with even the human humans going, oh, what should we do? And he goes, well gonna die so you might as well just go over there and die You're like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not really helpful to the situation and there's a there's a bit in the story where he's got to do this big uh speech and get everyone kind of going and it's just so not what he's used to doing like his normal as you say his normal motivational speeches stand there and don't die too quickly <laughs> so that we can you know get some stuff done but he's got to, he's, there's, there's this moment in the story where he's got to stand and deliver this impassioned speech and motivate people to, you know, one big last stand. And it's a, it's a great book. It's just, again, ADB does a good job. All right. And I think that's us. Um, those That list, the full list will be up on our Facebook page and on our website. Um, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Aaron for coming in. Thank you. Good to see you. Yeah. Um, borrowing one of those books. Absolutely. Uh, Brendan, thank you for being here again. Thank you. Good luck in Auckland. And uh, Sean Sullivan, thanks again for your time. Thanks a lot. We look forward to seeing you next time on Properly Cocked.